1: Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, where would we be without your word? How lost we would be, how without a leadership, without guidance, Lord. We thank you for your word this morning. We treasure it. We value it. And now we want to study it and learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis 29, end of the chapter here, verses 30 through 35. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, will my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, "'Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, "'he hath therefore given me this son also, "'and she called his name Simeon. "'And she conceived again and bare a son and said, "'Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, "'because I have borne him three sons, "'therefore was his name called Levi. "'And she conceived again and bare a son, "'and she said, now will I praise the Lord. "'Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing.'" All right, so here we are. We're coming to the end of the chapter, chapter 29. And what a chapter this has been for us. I mean, we've been right there with all of these characters. We were with Jacob as he fled from his old life there in his father's house, and, and he never really made things right between Esau and his father, but he got what he wanted, and he's been living his life that way, getting what he wants, and he didn't feel he needs God and to get what he wanted in life, and for the most part, life has worked out pretty well for Jacob, except for a minor issue, his brother's trying to kill him, but apart from that, he's doing pretty good, running for his life. We're with Jacob when he had that momentous night in Bethel in chapter 28, and God told Jacob on that night that he was gonna be with him and then Jacob returned the favor and said that, well, if he really was with him and took care of him, that you know maybe he would make the Lord his God after all. And then we were with Jacob as he went off from Bethel and he came into this land of the, of the new beginnings, the progression, the Kadima group. And we were with Jacob and he made his move on Rachel. What a move that was with the kiss and walked right into Laban's trap. And we were with him when he got the shock of his life and he woke up in the morning and behold, it was Leah. And we were with Jacob when he got angry, he got bitter at Laban. And he took the position of what is this thou hast done unto me. And we we're with Jacob when he said, I want Rachel. I'll die to get Rachel. I'll get Rachel for my wife. Even if I end up with four wives, I'll get her. Well, that's what happened. And now we've come to verse 31, and it's wonderful here because this is the spotlight in the Bible for Leah. This is where we're really gonna learn about Leah. Leah is gonna become for us one of the most real persons in the Bible, a person that we're just gonna love in spite of the fact that Jacob hated her, we'll love her. (laughs) And we're gonna love her because Leah is a wonderful person. And we're going to see a transformation in the person of Leah. And so we come, verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb and Rachel was barren. So what captures our attention when we read a verse like this are these words, when the Lord saw. I mean, when the Lord saw, that's an amazing statement when it says, when the Lord saw. When we read, when the Lord saw, we want to say, and why should he care, Yeah. But what did the Lord see in verse 31? What did he see? The injustice, okay, specifically. He saw he was hated. He saw that Leah was hated. See, God looked down. He saw a mess in the home. It's a terrible situation. The wife is not supposed to be hated. The wife's supposed to be loved. But God saw that Leah was hated by her husband. God saw that this home was in shambles. Leah was the hated one. She was the hated one in the home, and God saw that. Leah was the sufferer in the home, and God saw that. And so what this shows us about God is that his eye is on the sufferer. As it says in Psalm 22, the Lord Jesus himself from the cross, in Psalm 22, verse 24, he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So what that says is that his eye is on the sufferer and his ear is open to their cry. When he cried, he heard. Why is his eye on the sufferer? Because he's gonna be the sufferer on the cross when it says in that same chapter, Psalm 22 and verse six, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. That's what Leah could say. Leah could say in the home of Jacob, I'm a worm and no woman, a reproach of Jacob and despised of Jacob. And so God sees this, and so in this as a compensation for Leah, he gives children to Leah, where Rachel remains without any children. As it says there, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, and Rachel was barren. Why did God give children to Leah? Because of what Leah said in the end of the, uh, verse 32. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. See, God saw clearly that Leah, I mean, Leah saw that God wanted Jacob to love his wife, Leah, and God could not control Jacob, but when he gave Leah children, then God was giving reasons for Jacob, love your wife, Jacob, so that he he gave reasons for Jacob to love his wife, but he, he couldn't make Jacob loved his wife. In the final analysis, that was Jacob's choice, whether or not he's gonna love his wife. God wanted Jacob to love his wife, Leah, but that was Jacob's decision. So what we see in verse 31 is that God wants husbands to love their wives as they're commanded in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives. Almost like, love your wives already. (laughs) Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. See, the context of that verse was duties. You know, wives, submit to your husbands. That's your duty. Uh, Husbands, love your wives. That's your duty. And that love is to be on the highest level, like Christ loved the church and died to save her, a self-sacrificing love, a love where the husband doesn't worry about his own personal rights, but worries about the welfare and the well-being of his wife. The passage in Ephesians goes on to say, so ought men to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So when Jacob hated Leah, Jacob was not loving Leah as his own body. Jacob was not loving Leah as he loved himself. And it says that in Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. And we can imagine how Jacob resented Leah. And every time he looked at her, he thought to himself, there's the woman who prevented me from getting Rachel. And then he hated her more. And the bad part about bitterness is that it doesn't stand still. Bitterness, it's like a cancer that grows. As it says in Hebrews 12, 15, Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. See, bitterness is called a root. It's called a root that springs up. And the only remedy is to look diligently for any start of the bitterness. And when it's found, then to do what it says in Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away with the, from you with all malice. See, bitterness in a marriage, it has the capacity to turn love into a hatred of a person. Jacob didn't just hate what Leah did. Jacob hated the person of Leah. And when bitterness starts in a marriage, the first thing to go out the window is the tender affection. That's gone. And when it says in that verse in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many to be defiled. It's the context that's so important in that chapter because in that chapter, where that's given in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it starts off with a direction, a focus, a gaze, looking unto Jesus. It says, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, the way to keep from becoming bitter is to look unto Jesus, to set our focus on him. Bitterness happens when a person stops looking unto Jesus and begins to look to the person that's made him mad, that's wronged him. And when a person becomes bitter, there's a particular description used, and it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. The description is fail of the grace of God, which means that he's failed to avail himself of the grace of God. God has grace. God has grace available to keep us from becoming bitter. And it's a good thing to pray, Lord, please give me your grace so I don't become bitter against this person. Fail of the grace of God has the meaning like falling from the grace of God. Like it says in Galatians 5, 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. See, what we're looking at here is what Jacob did not do. He didn't avail himself of the grace of God so that he wouldn't become bitter at Leah, and God had for Jacob, he has for us, a tremendous reservoir of grace to keep us from becoming bitter, and there's grace, but it has to be applied for. It has to be asked for. It's not automatic. So in these last four verses now, in chapter 29, we have the birth here of Leah's four sons. The birth of Leah's first son is described for us in verse 32. Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So here we are. Here's Leah. We're in the maternity ward now. She has her first son. And the son's born, and she's delighted. She is delighted with a new understanding as she looks at her son, and the new understanding is God has looked on my affliction. Leah is delighted with that. As a matter of fact, you could say, Leah, what's the one word you're delighted with? She'd say it's the word looked. Looked. Surely the Lord hath looked on my affliction. See, looked has just charmed Leah. She's just enamored with this new understanding that God has looked on her own personal dilemma, and in verse thirty-two, Leah says, "Surely the Lord hath looked on my affliction." And Leah uses the Hebrew word "looked" ra'ah ra'ah for "looked," and so Leah has says, "Surely the Lord hath ra'ad looked on my affliction." And so she's grabbed a hold of this word ra'ah, and in keeping with this word for "look" ra'ah. She looks and she calls his name Ra'aben, Ra'aben. She says, look, son, Ra'aben, Ruben. Okay? Look, son, see, in verse 32, and Leah conceived and bare a bane. She bare a son, she bare a bane. And then Leah conceived, verse 32, Leah conceived and bare a bane, and she called his name Ra'aben. And for she said, surely the Lord hath Ra'a, Upon my affliction. See, by naming her son Ra'ah, because the Lord had Ra'ah looked on her affliction, Leah was forever memorializing the wonderful truth. God looks on our troubles. He looks on our dilemmas. And because of his name, Bain or Ruben, we are forever grateful to Leah for reminding us that Jehovah Jesus watches what we're enduring and what we have to endure, and he provides before we even have to endure it so that we're not just consumed. Like he said about Peter in Luke 22, 31. Luke 22, 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, interesting name he has, Shimon, Shimon, hear, hear, hearing, hearing. Simon, Simon, hear, Simon, hearing, hearing. (laughs) Behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but... I prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. See, Leah looks at her life and she sees it as an affliction. Marriage has just not turned out the way she'd hoped. You know, marriage, it just was not exactly the bliss that she dreamed of because the man that she loves, her husband, hates her. And she's locked in a hateful, envious, jealous struggle with her sister, for her husband's affection. Being married to the man she loved turns out to be an affliction because the man she loved hates her and she's caught in this fight with her sister. And so she describes her life as an affliction or a miserable life or a conflict where she's constantly fighting against the root meaning of the word affliction, which is depression. That's what it means when she said affliction. It's the meaning of being pushed down. Affliction. Every morning she wakes up and she sees on Jacob's face, that face of the first morning she woke up with Jacob in verse 25, and it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah, and it wasn't a, oh, I'm so happy to see you. (laughs) It was a, oh no, worst nightmare. Leah hates those words, behold, it was Leah. Because that's what she saw on Jacob's face the first morning they woke up together. The pain on Jacob's face, the pain of, behold, it's Leah, not Rachel. The pain on Jacob's face of, behold, it's Leah, and Leah has kept Rachel away from me. The pain on Jacob's face when he said, behold, it's Leah, and I never wanted to be married to Leah. The pain on Jacob's face when he said, behold, it's Leah, I hate Leah. And the pain on Jacob's face, he said, behold, it's Leah. And I wish I had never had to see Leah again in my life. Behold, it's Leah. I wish she was dead. And the pain on the face of Jacob went, behold, it's Leah. But maybe this is just somehow some terrible nightmare. And maybe I haven't woke up yet. Maybe I will wake up and it won't be Leah. But it was. The behold, it's Leah was Leah's life. That was the life she was in. It was to constantly see the pain of on the face of the man she loved, Jacob, the behold its Leah. He hated her. The behold its Leah was Leah's life. It was to constantly live with the husband that hated her and wished that she were dead. And as Leah wondered why she just didn't give up on her miserable life, and she fought against this affliction, this depression, it was hard for her to go on living with the behold its Leah look on hatred on her husband's face. I mean, what is a person like Leah to do when she's faced with such depression of being so hated by her husband? How is a person like Leah in those terrible circumstances to go on in life? I mean, how is a person like Leah in those terrible circumstances, how is she able to resist killing herself? I mean, how's a person like Leah in those terrible circumstances able to resist this depressing push of her face into the ground? And God has promised that even for a person like Leah, in those terrible circumstances, he made this promise in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen: There hath no temptation taken you such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. See, that verse talks about a temptation with the words, taken you. And the words, taken you, carries with it the concept of temptation just rushing in on you like you were sitting quietly in your home and all of a sudden your door gets broken down and you're seized as a captive. That's the idea. The enemy has grasped you without warning. That's the temptation that takes you. And this is how Leah felt that first morning. Genesis 29, 25, it came to pass in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. Just the, behold, it was Leah. It was a time when Leah was suddenly seized in this temptation. She had no power to overcome it. And she found that her life was just seized in a dilemma. And she had no power to free herself from it. And that's what this level of temptation does to us. It puts us in the same position as Leah. Seized on to such a degree that we don't see a way out. And when Leah looked at Jacob and saw this pain of, behold, it was Leah on his face, she saw no solution to her problem. Leah saw that there was nothing that she could do to change her circumstances. She saw that she was trapped in a no way out situation. And for Leah, there was no way out of this dilemma. There was no way that she could make Jacob love her. Leah was in danger of being consumed in the quicksand of her own depression. And when this type of temptation comes on us, we're in danger of being consumed in the quicksand of our own depression. And there was only one hope for Leah, as there's only one hope for us. And it's found in those three words in First Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation taking you, which is such as common to man. But God is faithful. Those three words. God is faithful. He won't suffer you to be tempted above your able. See, when Leah was taken or seized by this temptation and so depressed as to want to end her life, God is faithful. And when you and I are taken and to such a point that we can't see any reason for life to keep on going on, God is faithful. Those words, God is faithful, are like a, a life ring that's been thrown out to Leah. Leah, there's the life ring. God is faithful. Grab it, Leah. Take a hold of it. Because the faithfulness of God is the only source of security that Leah has in these terrible circumstances Those words, God is faithful, it tells us the only source of security we have in a terrible circumstance is the faithfulness of God. There's only one way for Leah to rise above her depression. And it's not by her own grit and it's not by her own bootstraps. It was for her to depend on the faithfulness of God. And there's only one way for us to rise above, to depend on the faithfulness of God. So Leah has a son and she sees a particular significance in his birth. Again, what is she impressed with? That's right, that she'd been looked upon. God has looked on her affliction. God is faithful, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful to do what? To not suffer Leah to be tempted above that she was able. In order for God to not suffer Leah to be tempted above that she was able, he must be looking at Leah at exactly what she's suffering. He hears every word that Jacob says to her, I wish you were dead. He sees the pain on his face. Behold, it's Leah. And Leah realizes, God is looking at how much I'm suffering. In verse 32, when she says, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. When Leah sees Reuben, her mind looks to God. And she's filled with this gratitude toward God that he's cared and looked at her affliction. See, what we talked about from verse 31 about how amazing it was that God saw that Leah was hated, Leah gets that, and now she's just amazed with the great God of the universe cares about my little affliction. I mean, Leah cannot get over the fact that God should look on her, like David said in Psalm 8, Psalm 8:3. when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained. What's man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. She said the same thing. What's woman? What's Leah that you're mindful of Leah and you visit her? See Psalm 144.3, Psalm 144.3, David says, Lord, what's man that thou takest knowledge of him or the son of man that thou makest account of him? Monitoring, measuring his trials, man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. Now it's very humble of Leah to glorify God by saying that He looked on my affliction. I mean, after all, she could have just said, "You know, I'm, there's no good in this at all. The only it's only bad. I'm really in a bad shape." But she stops from her pain and she gives glory to God. God loves that attitude in Leah. It's an attitude of humility. And God says, boy, when someone's got that, I'm gonna hang out with that person. In Isaiah 66, God's is essentially saying that, when he said, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. That's Leah.
0: You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, California. 92071 or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries call us at 800-247-3051 Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, IsraelRestoration.org.